Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can with this program to give you and your loved ones a leg up. And today we're actually going to be talking about your final, you know, your final hurrah, your final goodbye. We're going to be talking about end of life issues. Now we don't have to start the whole show on end of life. We're gonna we're gonna hit end of life. You know, some people just are so against death. It's like humans don't want to die. Imagine that. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So it's a hard issue to deal with, and we've decided we're gonna take it on. We're taking it on. What uh, What are some thoughts you should be having? What are the questions you should be uh, maybe going through as you or a loved one? Um, is working through, you know, living well through the end of your life. Uh, we're going to be dealing with um, also some issues, just the questions you should ask, end-of-life care, uh, what we should be talking about at that stage in our life. And we're going to be bringing on a wonderful guest, Christy North, from the website leavingwell.org, who's going to answer questions for us there. So be thinking of questions about that. But before we go too much into the death scenario and end-of-life issues, here's a question. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Somebody's not going to win. And for a lot of those fans, it's going to feel like a near-death experience. It's true, yes. So we need some predictions. I want to hear from you. Who is going to come out, Who the conquering hero of the Super Bowl? Who would like to go first? Broncos. Broncos. Oh, are they playing? Oh, excellent. (laughs) Wish them luck. No, the Broncos. The Broncos are the Seahawks. You're saying the Broncos? Yes, definitely Broncos. James going Bronco. Yep. Yes. Merritt. Um, I know you've thought about this a lot. (laughs) Deeply. If you, the Broncos, with an incredible quarterback, probably he's won two or three, he's broken two or three records this year, Peyton Manning. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I'm going to say Broncos. That's the team. Or the Seahawks that have you know, one of the most incredible defensive back teams in the history of the world. The best my cornerback. Brothers, the best cornerback, <laughs> as stated by the cornerback, yeah, in the history of the NFL. No. Um, my brothers say that the Broncos are going to win, so I'm just going to go with that. You're going to go with your brother. I don't know anything. Okay, Good so call. Good brother, call. we're going Broncos. You know, Peyton Manning could be one of the only quarterbacks in NFL history to win Super Bowls on two different, two different teams. I know. Yep. Tell me that's not cool. That's incredible, and it's going to happen. You think you're you're pretty confident? Uh, oh, yeah, False. definitely. I'm going to say Seahawks. Oh, and Jess is Why? going with the Seahawks. Please. Why? Because I'm the devil's rational. advocate. Well, you've got <laughs> half of that, right? And um, the cornerback comment you yeah. just made that's what it takes you know so you're going against just the mere fact that you that we disrespected the cornerback the blue one i choose the blue team seahawks <laughs> or the blue team the broncos <laughs> also have blue. i'm wearing blue today <laughs> yeah, we're broncos all wearing wear blue. dark blue do you, do you prefer the accent color to be an orange hue or a greenish hue a the, neon green i'm gonna say the neon green because okay, I, they're gonna so win really and i'm a winner seahawks. i didn't think she knew that much yeah about football I saw their logo today okay. on Facebook. So <laughs> we're two for now. Then I guess we'll see where the Pondinator. I, I got to say the Broncos. Three to one. <laughs> see? ah. Well, I, it's I, good thing I, we I have really, me. really do not like the Seahawks just because I, I'm a 49ers fan. Okay, okay. yeah. They I'm a little, ruined bi- your I'm day. a little bitter yeah. still. Yeah. That's sad. Don't be – I mean, you need to let it go. Well, Matt, what do you think? I've thought a lot about this, and I have a feeling – 
that I'm going to eat really well that night. I'm going to eat mm-hmm. uh, a lot of good food. I have a feeling. Let me th- I'm trying to think here. I think Peyton Manning is going to take it to the defensive back, the cornerback especially, Mr. Sherman. So you're with everyone else. Well, I don't know. We're going to finally see who's the better man. You is need Peyton to decide Manning the, because the we're placing money. We don't wager. You're right. We don't. But uh, I'm going to bet. If I had not that I would bet because I'm not betting. But I'm going. I would. <laughs> wager. I would. I would believe. I think it's going to be the Broncos. But I, oh, and I think, I think he's not going to be afraid to go right to Sherman, that guy that made that comment. And we're going to see if that guy really is the best. If that guy can shut down, he can Peyton Manning, whoever his name then is. He is everything. He's he the is. bomb. He's the bomb. Yeah, and he can do it. We'll see. I just I don't know. I've never Seahawks, seen someone Seahawks. work harder than Peyton Manning. <laughs> and if you're going to work that hard, the guy even at every break he doesn't even go like go like I'd go have someone rub my feet in between every touchdown. I'd have him rub my feet. I'd have him, I'd get water. I'd probably read a magazine. He just goes and talks to the coordinator and works out the defensive schemes that just played against him. Okay, I am the newest Seahawks fan, but I will give you that Peyton Manning's a boss. Yeah. But they're still going to lose. Peyton's going to be praying for strength. Jessica, you're like one of those people that's just like, yeah, go team, do that. Well, thing. she actually said go blue. She Everybody go blue. needs them. Everybody needs one of those. The people who don't you know anything. I would go like this. Everybody I like Seattle. I want Seattle. <laughs> I, I think that would be great that they can finally win one because they haven't won one for years. <laughs> but true. Everybody's cheering for the underdog. Y'all are I know. Y'all are it's Satanists. Just, I don't know. I don't know. What? It what? Is, whatever. It's yeah. crazy. Matt, here's a good question yeah. for you. What would If you scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, uh-huh. what would be your celebration dance? Good. Well, I would. Good that's question. a great. By the way, and yeah, get your TV already. I've already thought a lot about this. If Naturally. I if I were doing a touchdown <laughs> dance, mine would mine would definitely involve. Um, I would do a tribute to Mike Pond. Thank you. Which means I would I would sit on and I'd kneel on one knee and I would pretend like I'm playing the accordion. That Ooh. that is not. Because that Mike not Pond plays the accordion. Nice warm up. Playing the You're accordion up. while running a 400 meter hurdles. Yes, and then I go run across, pretending like I'm high hurdling, like um, Mike Pond used to do. And then I would put a tiara on, and I'd walk around <laughs> in a circle with one hand on my hip and the other hand flexed. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, that doesn't feel like a tribute to me. <laughs> they would know no, exactly but that's what all, you're that's, doing. See, that's the manly tri- I just scored a touchdown. That screams Mike that's Pond. That's me saying I love Pond in three different ways. Or you could just, you know, do the Tebow. Oh, kiss my guns, my yeah, no, but, he, he kneels oh, yeah, down. He built, that's right. Yeah, no, that one's taken. Not, not very few people do the accordion. No one does the accordion. I know. That's why I'd, I'd be innovative. No one should be, ever be doing do the, the pond, the Mike Pond. Yeah. It's original. Yeah. I love it again. Because you, you know what that's I did homage. when I scored touchdowns in high school? I just would walk off the field. That's all I did. No, 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 no. You, no. you walked off with the water, and then you would go back on with the water when they need it. When they scored, no, a I would hand the ball to the ref, and then because you were playing ball. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, um, you know, someday when you get a show, you can tell them what you want to do with a touchdown. <laughs> Just get a show. That's all it takes. Don't be sad. <sighs> went very quiet. Do you guys notice how quiet it went? Pond's not talking. It's your. Sh- I don't want to ruin the show. This is this is the Matt Townsend show. Well, let's get to a better topic. Uh, today we're talking about end of life issues. We all are going to reach this point. Some of you don't think you are. We all will reach a point when it's over. 
And we don't do this very well. Not even us, but like if our parents are getting old, we're not, we don't know what to do. It's one of those things you just shove in the closet and pretend it doesn't exist. What are you talking about? Skeletons? Death. Oh, death. Oh. Okay. I was thought, because I was talking about the person. And you're like, you're just shoving them in the closet and oh, pretend like they don't well, exist. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> that was close. I was thinking we were going to talk about the, the topic actual death. of today's so show. So the topic of know. death. No, but that's exactly right. And that is the dilemma because I think we're afraid of it. Don't you think? We're, oh, definitely. Yeah, we're weirded out. Are. We're afraid of it. Do you guys remember when you were a kid and you went to your first funeral? It was terrifying. Oh. You, Everyone's not... crying. I know. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. And then they, you get up to the casket and they're like, look. It's. And what? Touch her. Touch her. I had one. I had my mom's like touch her, and in my head I'm like, don't touch her. She's dead. I mean, she, it scared me to death. Do you touch? Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard <sighs> thing, and so I think that what happens is that we just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it, and then just kind of move on to other subjects. Yeah. And then when it, we actually have to deal with it, it's so much more scary because yeah. we never ever talk about it. We never so, work through the issues. We never use strategies. People don't know how to grieve. That's like no. one of the biggest. We don't have normal. We need, we need a gr- we need like a grieving uh, profile. We need to know what <laughs> need we to need know to do. How to a do pattern it, yeah. of grieving. See, some countries or even religions tell you how to grieve. You need yeah. to do this on day one. By day four, you should be wailing, and then the gnashing of teeth. Eventually, it's but, true. And those traditions can bring a lot of comfort, but mm-hmm. in modern society, it's just not something that we. And then we ask the dumbest we questions. Oh, we go yeah. up to the grieving widow, and we're like. How are you? How are you? How are you? That is the... Well, I was better when he was alive. Also, when that happens, you get all these people coming up to you. Hey, if you need anything. Yeah. If you need, if you need someone me. to talk to, just... Yeah. I've never talked to you before. Why yeah. am I going to talk to you about you? this? Am, I, am yeah. I related to you? Or they say, um, this is the craziest. They're looking at the deceased and they're like, oh, he looks great. And in your head, you're like, he looks horrible. The dude is dead. Yeah. We don't know what to say. We're like, oh, he looks better. Or we even, and I believe this strongly, he's happier where he is. He's he's happier. And by the way, I believe that. It's, it's probably happier. It's a good happier. thing to believe. Yeah, but. Except it's, don't it's tell me that. Yeah. He's hard to hear. He went <laughs> kicking and screaming. Yeah. He didn't want to go. Um, we don't know what to say. So that's oh, yeah, why we're definitely. talking about it. Yeah. And well, I was doing lots of research. It's kind of a hard topic. I mean, even just as we've been trying to yeah. build a show, we've been dancing we had to talk, I had to talk about the Super Bowl just to segue into it. Yeah, exactly. So it's an awkward thing, but I was doing some research and I found some really interesting what things did you that find? to happen. Um, there's a new, um, I would say, tradition or event starting to pop up all over the world. It started in London and they call them death cafes. Hold on. What? Death? Death, death cafes. It cafe, comes weird. from a French tradition of cafe in, in continental Europe would be more, it's not just like a place to go eat. Mm. It would just be a place to talk about interesting subjects. So they okay. would have a cafe of philosophy or a oh, cafe okay. of science and people just get together and talk okay. about that. So it's kind of like a meeting place for death. Yeah. Where you might so, have a little cocoa. Yeah. So a death cafe would be an event where the people arrange and you come together and you talk about death. Okay. That's And healthy. this can be just anything. It's Again, it started... Um, with a guy in London who just started it in his basement and had such a great experience that he mm. made a website and now people are doing it all over the world. Yeah. And um, the people who generally host them, I thought this was interesting. Every article I read, they were hosted by somebody who works um, as a hospice volunteer or Ooh, again, a hospice they, worker, And they know what they're doing. Somebody who is so well acquainted with oh. the subject and mm-hmm. they know how hard it is 
And so it's a great person to lead that kind of discussion. I have a guy that is a hospice worker, and I can listen to him for hours tell stories about people dying who have died because every story is so amazing and magical and the neat oh, things definitely. he's seen and learned. Well, and he probably has a very healthy mm-hmm. relationship with yeah. the topic. He knows how to deal with it. And so people get together and they talk about it. And that could be just what do they think happens after you die? How do you get ready for death? How do you, you know, and the overall purpose is to make sure that you're living your life the way you want to Mm. before you get to that point and then to be able to deal with it well afterwards. That's the catharsis. Go to the cafe, talk about it. So are are the people going to this, uh, who goes to, I guess somebody that's, has this (laughs) sense of impending doom that that someone's dying or... Again, in the articles that I've read, it could be people who are dealing with death right now, who are dealing with the death of a loved one or the impending death Someone of a loved one, or somebody, somebody who's just interested in it and yeah. wants to talk about yeah. it, or somebody who um, is afraid of it. Yeah. That's another thing is that you people are so afraid of it, and yet it happens all of the time. Well, and and it's something everyone. eventually right. you need to it's gonna come to terms with that. Yeah. So, but you you really don't get good at death unless you have a lot of death, and you don't want that. No, so definitely. you don't want to be like I am so good at death. But it might be something to expose yourself to, yeah. so that you can deal with it in a healthy that's way. That's huge. Um, hmm. And if you're sitting there thinking, "Wow, that's creepy," hmm. here's the thing: people have death has only been a taboo subject right. for probably the last hundred years or so. Oh, really? Well, be, why? Years. I guess because. In the past, before modern medicine, people would die a lot more often yeah. and a lot younger. It was part of life. And it was just something that you dealt yeah. with. I mean, if you look at the statistics of how many children survived out of a normal family, yeah. it was something that you knew how to deal with. And then it was only when modern medicine and modern science came into the picture that people started to feel uncomfortable about We that took death. away death. Yeah. And though it's always been something sad, it was never something creepy or yeah. wrong. It was a natural part of life that even though it was tragic, you had to deal That's with That's why my favorite uh, um, scene in any show ever was a Monty Python scene about bring out your dead. Remember that? <laughs> bring out your, your dead. dead. It's during the play. He's like, I'm not dead And everyone's <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I feel fine. I want to go for a walk. <laughs> oh, he'll, he'll soon be dead. <laughs> Just please take him. Bring out your dead. Isn't that classic? But it is. We... You know, back then, people would die right yeah. there. Just and throw them out and they'll again, pick them up. It was sad and it was tragic, but people knew how to deal with it in a healthy way. And it's yeah. like people now have to learn how to deal with anxiety. That's like one of the most common yeah. ailments right now. Well, so today's show is so, de- we're going to do a death cafe on air. Yeah, an on air death cafe. On air death cafe. Sounds gross and scary, but you know what? It's not. We need to learn to deal with it. So today we're going to talk about end of life issues. That might be a better way of saying it. We're going to have a wonderful guest uh, who will be joining us a little bit later. Christy North will be joining us. She's from the website living, oh no, leavingwell.org, leavingwell.org, which is uh, teaches some tools, some skills, some insights into uh, what to expect, what resources you'll need, and how to make, uh, you know, make your wishes clear. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. When we come back, by the way, we're going to get into death traditions around the world. Some countries have some very interesting traditions. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, this show, we, uh, we like to take on life's issues 
One of uh, life's biggest issues seems to be the grand finale, the great uh, ending of life. And a lot of us don't know what to do with it. How do you handle death and uh, end of life issues? So that's the topic of today's exciting show. And who better to help us with some of the traditions than our own Mike Pond, the Pondinator. Right here, live on BYU Radio. Uh, You, my friend, you lived in Finland. Yes, I did. I I had the opportunity to live out there for a few years. Two years, LDS missionary. That's right. I learned the language. I picked up a little, uh, that's Finnish, a little Swedish. Did you? Russian. Yeah. Now, because I went to Argentina on my mission, so I saw some weird things there. They have different traditions around death, and I assume Finland, I mean, by the way, we all die the same. Right. Well, most people. We die. I mean, there's a death, there's a process, heart stops. We even believe the spirit leaves the body thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, you fill us in. What did you learn? And what are some of the things you've seen culturally are different from the United States to other cultures? Well, when I lived in Finland, they have a very interesting outlook on death. And there's some different nomadic groups up there, the Sami people, the Eskimos up north. And they they have a different outlook on death than the, the people down south, the Finns. Um, but even in the language, they have phrases that are built for that event. They're death phrases. They're phrases yeah. that you use only around the death event. Right. And like what? Give us y- some. You That's won't cool. use them any other time in the language. Uh, we don't really have anything like that in English. But when, when uh, for example, they have a, a kind of a salutation, when you're saying goodbye – Yeah. And you're never going to see the other person. Like the, again. This is the final goodbye. Yeah, or and usually this is used around death, but it could be if someone's going off to war, or if somebody's moving to a different country, something like that. You're never going to see the person again. Yeah, it's huvasti. It means, I guess, in English, should be close to uh, farewell or adieu. Really? You know? Yeah. But it's like it's kind of like this is permanent. Yeah, I we're not going to see each other again, and it has a really deep, powerful meaning to it. That is – see, but that's kind of neat because once that's been stated, it, you don't use it any other time. You yeah, only use it that also, one time. It's kind of depressing. You know, They yeah. believe they're never going to see the other person again. Oh, they, they're actually signing off forever. When you're dead, you're yeah. dead. It's gone. You know, you know uh, the, in, the, in the LDS church, there's a song that the Mormon Tabernacle Choir sings at the end of their sh- shows. Do you remember what that is? God be with you until we meet again. Yeah. That's what I want at my funeral. See, that's saying, hey, I'm God, but while I'm God, God be with you until we meet again. That's a pretty different outlook. And that has a cool yeah. spirit. And I've even heard like the, in the Hawaiian Islands, they'll sing it in their native tongue, and it's beautiful, and they, it's cool. So we have different cultural things even. Yeah. Give us more. What else have you learned? So these, these, uh, these cultural traditions, they kind of give us an insight into how these, these other people deal with death and how they feel about it. Uh, the Native American people, the Lakota, they have a saying in their language, um, you know, be kind to your brother for someday he will die. Hmm. And uh, so the Lakota, they have kind of a different outlook on death than the, the Finns do. Um, and uh, so when, when somebody does die, it's not as hard for them as, as other uh, cultures. They, they think it's not so permanent? Well, it's not that it's... Not I mean, permanent because it is to them too, but they're just uh, a lot more familiar and aware of the yeah. idea, yeah. I guess, and because it's built into their their, their culture, language yeah. and their okay. and their culture. And so when when someone dies, uh, you know they don't really. There's no denial. There's no anger 
uh, with the Lokodai grief model. Uh, it's pretty minimal, but all the people and animals they believe enter this this uh, spirit neutral land, the uh, Wangai um, Mako. You. You've done yeah. some serious research. Well, I'm Native American. There this you have is, it. So uh, this is just this is just going back to your parents' journals. Exactly. And so they believe that the soul didn't exist before birth. Um, but it's so like when when it dies, it kind of goes back to nature and becomes one with the universe. And so they try very hard for the year after the death to be as virtuous as they can. Oh, interesting. Uh, because they believe that the 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 true character of the person is going to emerge through their grief. It's really it's kind of complicated, interesting yeah. idea. But I mean, what what I like about it in a way is they have something to do. It seems like so many other you know cultures. There's not, if you don't have something to do but grieve and just wonder, it seems harder to not have a a, a process to kind of go through. Yeah, but there's a lot of weird ones. There, are. there, there's a like. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, what? What is it called? Indo cannibalism. No, tell me so, about that. So, uh, for some cultures, <laughs> they oh boy, the, the best way to honor the dead is by eating them. Wow. Um. So they they have these. Uh, I would be horrible. We in don't. That way. A- anthropologists maintain the the idea that this isn't being practiced anywhere in the world today. That they they can see, but it's been around, you know, in the last like, hundred hey, years. And we, we, lo- think, we love you, yeah, Larry. Pa- Papua New Guinea and in places like that, these tribal cultures, uh-huh. uh, they they have these feasts of the dead as yeah. a way to uh, forge a permanent connection between the living and the dead. Okay, okay, let's just let's just not do that anymore. No, no, I that don't, seems right. That I mean, I well, you know, it's it, it's a you know, but it's interesting that. You know, to us that's disgusting, but to them it's a oh. it's a, f- a gesture of final goodwill to their ancestors. Oh, sure, to their relatives. Yeah, let's just bury them. And there's some other cool ones um, in India, mostly on the island of Mali. They uh, they look at it as a kind of a transition stage, and mm-hmm. so they do it by fire. It's a kind of a vehicle to the next life. Oh yeah, like you're gonna yeah we'll, yeah. we'll like. Get you going. Yeah, so we'll they lay the body way. out on a table, and they uh, they they lay food offerings mm-hmm. beside it. That has uh, to do with you know the religion and the yeah. culture there. But uh, and they they have lanterns that line the path uh, to the person or hut to let the the people know, hey, this person yeah. is passed, and so everyone will gather in the village or yeah. or the city, and and they will uh, burn and, and they'll chant. Different See, phrases. It, it kind of has a spiritual overtone, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, in Argentina, we would. I went to a funeral there, um, and it was quite interesting because they would close the casket, and the casket was like a metal case. Then they needed to weld the case shut. So there's this magical moment where you're saying goodbye, and you know that could be you know they have family prayers now at funerals and close the casket. And um, well, this guy, we had to wait for the welder to weld <laughs> shut the casket, making a ton of fumes and smoke and noxious gas. And this is indoors. Oh uh, yeah, we're all just watching it and opening windows and fanning. And then um, hold on, guys, let yeah. me weld this shut. <laughs> and um, I, sparks I are flying. And then there, then you had to pay the guy. With like, you know, 50 people watching. And you just get your money out and pay him and it's thank funny. him for the, hey, great welding job, wonderful bead. 
you nailed it tight beat. Why do they weld it shut? I think it's just it's is it, cleaner. Does, it doesn't. Well, I mean, yeah. in uh, Victorian times, I know that they would make the nail the coffin shut because yeah. of you know the ideas of vampires right. and stuff like that. They didn't want, want yeah. the dead coming well, back. That's why, yeah. Yeah, now it's vampires again because vampires are back. Right. Twilight, all that great yeah. stuff. Well, that's, you know what? Quirky. But honestly, it's it's cultural, and I think it's everyone trying to cope with the death and cope right. with these last right. uh, thoughts, these last um, moments with these people we love. So here's what we're going to do. We're bringing on Christy North. She's from the website Leaving Well, Living Well Through the End of Life. She's going to help us answer questions Talk about what's kind of normal, what should we do, what should we worry about, why we should talk about death, how we should talk about death. If you have a question, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. If you have any concerns or questions, give us a call. We'd love to get you on the air with Christy. If not, we're going to just keep learning about how you handle end-of-life issues. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're trying to take on the great grand finale issue of all human beings, death. It's a tough topic, and uh, would you believe that even doctors have a hard time uh, talking about death? It's just as difficult for them to bring up some of the end-of-life issues as it is for the rest of us. Now, you'd think, you know, they'd be okay with that. But it's hard, and a lot of it might just simply be because of what's going on in our our own heads. We don't necessarily know what to do, how to do it, and so we wanted to bring on um, an expert to join us today. And that expert is uh, going to be taking questions, or or if you have any questions or issues that you'd like to discuss, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Which is one eight five five two four two eight two nine eight one eight four one eight five five chat BYU. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. You can ask our our wonderful guest that I'm about to introduce any questions you have about that uh, about you know end of life experience, the end of life process, what decisions need to be made, what should you be doing, what shouldn't you be doing, what should you worry about, what shouldn't you worry about. Our guest today, Christy North, is a, she's an MBA. She has a million different uh, uh, certificates and titles behind her name. She's a healthcare consultant, and she's passionate about effective care planning for older adults. She leads the Leaving Well Coalition, which is a nonprofit collaboration of providers and aging experts in the legal, regulatory, religious, and medical communities. You can find out more about uh, her organization, Leaving Well, by going to the website leaving-well.org, leaving-well.org. Christy, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here. Great to have you on, and I think we met once at a, when I was speaking to a group of senior caregivers. That's correct. And, and I started talking about death, and you said, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? And you need to get on the show. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and by the way, Christy, you can't just start with your opening line, hey, let's talk about death, because that's just startling. Have you noticed well, that? Well, it is. But you know what? If you think about 
why is it that death is so difficult to talk about? Yeah. Because we, we pretend that it's different from any other phase of life. Right. It is just another phase. It's just, an, it's just another step, you're saying. Yes. But it seems like well, a pretty final one. Well, it is. And it is inevitable. Yep. And we all are going to have to go through it. And so why not plan so that it can be what we want it to be? We can't choose when. Yep. And we can't choose not to go there, but we certainly can figure out who do we want to be there. Do we want to be surrounded by people in an intensive care unit and all the experts in case there's a need? Or do we want to be in a nice, quiet place at home with family members? And I, I think everyone needs yeah, that choice. I love that. And I guess some. I guess the reason we one reason we don't do that is sometimes we're not afforded the choice, are we? It's like death sneaks up on us and just starts working us. And then all of a sudden we're making decisions. And in the news, day after day, you see people who never made like end of death decisions. And now the courts are making those decisions and, you know, do not resuscitate orders and who's allowed to turn off certain, uh, you know, respirators and and artificial devices to save life. So this is something you're saying you can, you know, put it under the put it under the carpet or you can bring it out and let's talk. Right. And isn't it far better, uh, I mean, in any part of your life, you know, I'm, uh, if I'm about to be married, I want to say, here's what I want to have happen surrounding my marriage. You bet. And then people are very willing to help you. And here's the birth of my child. I wish to do it at home or I wish to do it in the hospital or whatever. And people are willing to help you do that. Yeah. So why not the same thing around death? It's just a social more that we haven't accepted very well. But there are so many good reasons for us to talk with our loved ones about our and their impending death, whether mm. it's impending in 30 years or, you know, 30 days. I, I love it. And and if you've ever been in a conversation with someone you care about having those decisions, it's, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, an example, I was just um, Sunday sat on the bed with this wonderful couple that we visit. He is 96, I believe. She's 94. They're celebrating their tw- no, their 75th wedding anniversary in a few um in a few weeks. And they keep joking about, yeah, they're probably going to die soon. And my immediate reaction is, "No, no. No, you're not. He's 96. I mean, yeah. his days are numbered." And he is well, so okay talking about it. But I'm almost like, no, let's not talk about that. But when he opens up and he says... Isn't that unfortunate? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, you're, you're a professional. You're a professional communicator. What was I thinking? And, yeah. But, uh, it's but fear. But we do. We don't want people to think, yeah, you're going to be gone soon and that'll be just fine. Because we will miss them. We will, we will be very sad. But yeah. at the same time... Won't we feel much better if we know that that 96-year-old man had his final hours exactly as he would have wanted them? Yeah, that's I think that's something we all deserve, and it's a gift we deserve to give to our families, because there's nothing worse than a family member um, deciding how to handle a loved one's last hour. No, I agree. That's a horrible thing to leave people with. I, I totally agree. Christy, um, I, we have a caller on the line, um, Lucille from South Carolina uh, has called in and her father is dying. Lucille, are you there? I am here. Okay. So your dad is dying. 
No, actually, it's my father-in-law. Oh, your father-in-law. I, right. I've dealt with death before with my mother. She died of pancreatic cancer, and then my twin brother suffered a stroke. And so I, I had to make the decision on that yeah. to um, let him go. Yeah. But my father-in-law is dying, and this, this family handles it differently. Huh. And so when hospice has been called in, they're telling dad it's just a nurse. And they're kind of skirting around the issue. And I don't know if it would be better to be if all of us should be more honest about it, because we all know the eternal plan of salvation. Dad's 93. And so this dancing around the subject, I think, is making everybody a little bit tense and stuff, and I'm not yeah. sure how to handle that. So even family. Dad doesn't know he's dying. He knows he's dying, but he doesn't know it's actually hospice coming to Okay, him. okay. Well, that's a, that's a great question, Christy. What, what do you think about that? What, what advice would you give? Well, first of all, um, every family is different. And, and you talk about, you know, we understand what salvation is all about. But for every family, that is a little bit different. I, I guess what I would say is, is it possible to talk to the rest of the family and say, you know, Dad may have some things he really wants to do or say or, or have us do or say before that moment really comes? And if we're pretending that it's not coming, we're denying him that opportunity. Hmm. And... We're going to do what we think is best for him. Uh, you know, Dad probably did what he thought was best for us when we were little, but we didn't always love it. If we can get Dad to the point where, Dad, what is it you would really like? What, what do you need? Do you want me to read you a book? Do you want me to read you the Bible? Do you want me to bring in, you know, you tell me That's huge. what you need. Lucille, do, do you think uh, that could be a conversation you could have or somebody think, could have? I think I think so. I think I've just started to do that, but it's good to have that um, validation that what I'm yeah. doing is right. Yeah. To go ahead and say, it's okay for me to say, let's talk about this with yeah. my husband, you know, and not that my way is necessarily right, yeah. but I just think a more honest approach about it. And it's because I've dealt with death recently. Yeah. Well, you felt it and you've gone through it. And I so appreciate the call, Lucille. Um, Thanks. You Love did. Your show. It, thank you. And it really, I, I, what I loved about it too, Christy, is it just feels so much more right. It just feels right to be real at this stage. And you brought up a great point. Dad may want to talk to everybody. Dad may want to have one more conversation with each kid and give them some advice or, or have a moment with each of them. And uh, th- there's a lot that can be learned just in these last moments of life, right? It is so fortunate to, to really have this time together. Yeah. Um, you know, my mother uh, had found out she had terminal cancer on a Thursday and died on a Sunday. That did not leave us a lot of time yeah. to be together with her, to say whatever it was that we had left to say. So having some time, even though it's a very painful time, is really a luxury that we should not let go. No, I agree. Go. Well, and, and I love it, too, because it, there's this—and you'll see it. At births and funerals, we're all so closer to the spiritual kind of realm of life that it that, that it, it, it's a great chance for some healing to take place, for some closure to happen. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that when someone dies, they don't get the closure, and, and it leaves them with an open wound for a long time. So th- this is a— it's a magical moment, which is, again, I guess it goes back to our initial discussion. We're so afraid of it that we maybe are missing a lot of the magic. Well, we're missing the magic, and we may be cheating others. You know, my very best friend uh, died, but not before she was able to say to me, here's, 
the kind of death I want. Here's what I want to have happen. And if you agree, I will determine that you are fit to sit at my deathbed. But if you don't agree, I don't want you there because I need people there who are going to do two things. One, please don't pray that I will get better. It's not happening, and it doesn't help me. But don't pretend that I'm going to get better. And number two, allow me to, to say and do whatever seems right. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me. Yeah, don't correct. Yeah. That's beautiful. And don't you love her courage? I mean, the, the, the courage to coach the rest of us. And, and it, maybe that's what Lucille's going through, too. Sometimes I guess it takes the one that's been through it a little bit more or the one that's in it to, to maybe draw the lines and say, look, like, this is what I'm seeing is healthier, especially for me, from my frame of reference. Well, and for Lucille offering that opportunity, because, you know, if the family has certain culture, certain ways of doing things, mm-hmm. they may not want to hear that. Right. And so... Uh, and Lucille might be seen as an outsider. Yeah. I mean, I've been married for 35 years, and, and I sometimes think I don't quite understand yeah. all of my family. No, right. Well, and again, I guess that's sometimes the role is all she can do is give her feedback to her husband and hope that mm-hmm. they'll listen. Uh, what, what else do you see? What are the things? We only have about maybe one or two more minutes here. What, what are the things we need to be dealing with? As, as we're, we're nearing kind of the end-of-life scenario or situation, what, what are the topics we need to be discussing? What should we be doing? Well, really, what we need to be thinking about is what does that person... I mean, this is the time when the person who is approaching the end of life gets to be, or should be, I think, the center of attention. What do they need? Let's talk about values. Let's talk about spiritual needs. Let's talk about where, you know, maybe the afterlife, maybe not, whatever that person really wants to talk about. But but make the atmosphere open for discussion. Because I think the hardest thing is, as you say, Matt, you know, somebody says, well, I think I'm going to die. No, you're not. Oh, well, yeah. let's say, gee, well, we're all going to die at some point. Do you, do you think yours is coming soon? And is there anything you want to talk about that? Not, you don't have to say, yeah, you're right. You're going to yeah. get off any day now. But but sensitivity to opening the topic and allowing it to be heard. And, you know, frankly, I have a good friend whose mother has pancreatic cancer. It's not a good disease. It's terrible. But her mother has said, okay, I'm 93. I'm dying. Let's just leave it with that, shall we? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. The, we have to respect that. Well, but then we say, no, you're not dealing with it, Mom. Let's talk. We need now, And then you force, you're either forcing them to talk or running from them talking. Instead of taking oh, their lead and saying, you know what, okay, we'll go where you want to go. Yeah, we could take their lead, but we can also do it very gently. Yeah. You know, okay, so let that moment pass. Yeah. And then, hey, Mom, you know, uh, I was just thinking, remember when Dad died and he didn't do this or that? Or remember the hymns that were played at Uncle Elmo's funeral? You know, what kind of things do you want to do? And if she still doesn't want to talk about it, we back off. Yeah. But that could lead into the opportunity to say, hey, Mom, when the time comes, do you want to be in the hospital or do you want to be at home? Or tell me, what do you want? Great questions. And really, uh, it's the openness that you're talking about. We're talking with Christy North who is, um, you know, one of the, I guess, founders of leaving-well.org. It's a website, uh, leaving-well.org. 
it's helping people with their uh, end of life decisions, the, the conversations we could be having, articles, it's got videos, wonderful tools to help you, you know, plan um, your end of life, you know, decisions, decide how you're going to handle certain things medically, how you want things handled, your funeral. We're asking her questions. If you have a question about death or an end of life kind of issue, give us a call. one 855 chat BYU. one 855 chat BYU. We'll get you on and uh, again, we'll give you a, a book if you also call and we get you on the air. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we are talking with Christy North uh, about end-of-life issues, right? I mean, death, really, and and how to go about processing through that stage of life. And, and she she brings up a great point that it's not—it's just another stage. It's another stage. And I think we think, ah, oh, the finality of it, it's death, Um but a lot of that is just our mores, our culture. We we don't we don't know what to do with it, and because we don't know what to do with it, we don't maybe do what we need to be doing with it. So Christy's on the phone with us. Christy uh, has many degrees, very well educated, has an MBA, an FACHE. Don't know what all these mean. CPF. She's a healthcare consultant, and she's passionate about effective care planning for older adults. Really, what she's trying to do is create a safe enough space for these. Uh, for these adults to um, feel comfortable where they are, process and go through the process of of death and end of life um, with with more of their own choices living out, being lived out, and um, maybe some of the peace, and then just some of the great spirit and peace and things that can accompany that. She's also um, she's one of the leaders of the Leaving Well Coalition, which is a nonprofit collaboration of providers and aging experts in the legal, regulatory, religious, and medical communities. You can find her website at leaving-well.org, leaving-well.org. So welcome back, Christy. Thanks, Matt. It is so good to have you. And um, so what are some things we need to be talking about with our, our family? And again, anybody out there listening, if you have a question about a, a family member that's dying or someone that's, you know, it doesn't just have to be about death, but it's kind of end of life. There's a, a stage of a bunch of decisions we need to make. Um, you can give us a call, one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu Christy, what are some other topics we should probably make sure we're talking about with our our loved ones at this stage? Well, again, you know, it really is what do they need to talk about. I think opening the door for conversation and taking their lead. If they want to talk about finances, when my father was dying, the last time I saw him, he told me where his bank books were kept, where his insurance forms were. Huh. He wanted to make sure that from a financial perspective, I didn't have to do a lot. Yeah. Well, that was important to him. It wasn't something I wanted yeah. to know. Yeah. That, that didn't sound good, but yeah. for him, it was important. So I let him talk about that. Um, for some other people, it is, I want to talk about the spiritual life. What is going to happen to me when this is over? Well, you know, the Buddhists believe that 
death is like waking up from the dream of life. <laughs> and that is such an interesting that perspective is. for me because it kind of puts it, well, yeah, we don't, what yeah. I'm doing is dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wake up. And it's not it doesn't yeah. it's it's not like death forever. Their yeah. view is you wake up. So so, so really so someone in that perspective they they want to talk about things in a in a, perhaps a different way. Mm-hmm. But I think you know people tend to not want to talk about death for a variety of reasons. I mean, one is I don't want to bring it on so I'm not going to talk yeah, about it. It's and taboo. the fear of the unknown. And that's not just the unknown in the afterlife, but the unknown of what if I can't speak for myself, what's going to happen to me? Yeah. And, and frankly, the only way that we can really help people be more comfortable about what's going to happen is to have them tell us what they'd like to have happen. Yeah. And, and then as family and loved ones, we need to be able to say, I hear you, and that's not what I would do in my life, but for you, I will do that because it's important to you. Hmm. And I don't get to decide the most important decision maker it's the person who's going through the end of life. I, I totally agree. Do you um, do you push them on decisions? I mean, this sounds totally opposite of what you're telling us to do. But there's certain decisions that a mother could make, let's say, about all of her possessions that may save years of fighting and arguing between all of the children. <laughs> do, you, do you suggest it? Do you just make a suggestion and... Do, or do you just organize the meeting? What do you, or do you just see if they're interested, and if not, we just find another way? Well, in the best of families, there is disagreement. And death almost always brings some sort of di- uh, disagreement. Yeah. Whether it is disagreement about what color you're going to dress mom in before she meets her maker, right. or what are you going to do with her jewels, or whatever. And I think we can broach all of these subjects, and the more the better. I mean, yeah. if my sister and I can both be there while we're discussing this, then we both get to hear it. We may not hear the same thing, but right. I think it would be very helpful for us to hear it. So, you know, we can broach it. We can say, hey, Mom, uh, you know, you once said that you wanted Aunt Alice to have your brooch that belonged to your great-grandmother. Um, is that still what you'd like to do with that? Hmm. Or, and I don't even have an Aunt Alice, so I'm making that yeah. up. But, yeah, yeah. but I mean, just offering the opportunity for her to talk. And you talk about the brooch, which leads to talking about the clothing, which leads to talking about the furniture, which leads to, you know, all of these other conversations. And I think, you know, start with something that you don't think is going to be painful, that you don't think will be controversial, and go from there. Yeah, beautiful. But again, you know, I think we can offer to have the conversation. We might be rebuffed, in which case we'd need to back off, but we can try again. Right. Um. So just be open and available and take every opportunity that you're given. Yeah, I love that. It's really about making the safe real space or the space very safe for them. And, and they might need to process it. Like, I don't want to go there and start divvying up my goods. And so, yeah. but we still can make, we can, it's just an offer. It was just an idea. We'll back off. But it doesn't mean they're not thinking. And it doesn't mean they also won't circle back on their own and, and start bringing it up. It's just knowing that they're safe enough to to talk about this. Imagine what a relief that is. I I just heard of a story Sunday of a relative of mine that when he was passing away, he called, he he knew he was dying and he called all of his sons in one by one. And one by one, he told each of his children something that just, he just made him make make him a promise. And each child had something different. Amazingly, this father that was dying, um, 
took one of his last children and he said, look, all I want you to do, one, one child, take care of mom. Promise me you will take care of your mother. And promise me you'll do this. The last uh, child, he said, I want you to promise me that by the time you're 40, you will get a colonoscopy. And the son is like, what? That's all you want from me is a colonoscopy? Well, he delayed it, he delayed it. And a week before he was 40, he went and got a colonoscopy and they found two tumors. And he ended up having the tumors, cancerous tumors removed. And if he had waited another year, he would be dead. And the irony is uh, there's something special about people that have lived that long and know that much. And maybe if we can create a safe enough space, we might see miracles. We might see healings. We might see just peace and, 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 and learn, heaven forbid. Yes. Oh, well, that's the thing that I think is most difficult is uh, as we get older, we think we know everything. Yeah. And uh, we don't. We're learning every single day. If I'm not learning then I am already dead, even though I'm still breathing. So it's important to keep an open mind that there might be something I don't know. And if my dad on his deathbed says to me, I really want you to read this book, or I want you to do this thing, uh, it's for a reason. So maybe I ought to explore that. Yeah. Oh, and that's beautiful. And then keep keep the conversation going. What do you mean by that? And keep exploring yes. it. We're talking with Christy North from the website uh, leaving leaving dash well dot org leaving well dot org. Um, she's teaching us about you know end of life plans. And when we come back, I really want to get into uh, what are some more of the decisions that need to be made in these end of life plans. How do we make sure that these plans are are you know organized and. And they're in a place where we can find them so we can quickly get to them if we need to make decisions. We're talking about end of life, death, in fact, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're taking on a great subject today. Again, on the show, we like to focus on giving you the tools to make it through life. A leg up, we always say, because life's tough. It's just not easy. And as if, you know, living life wasn't easy, it even sometimes gets more difficult when you're trying to end your life and it's over and you're done. When life is starting to wear out and it's time to go, death enters the picture, right? And we, we become very afraid of that, uh, a lot of us. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. We don't want to go there. And yet there's so many important things we could be learning at that moment, and there's so many important decisions that uh, we, we kind of need to make for that moment in our lives. We've asked Christy North to join us. She has been talking with us. Um, she's from an organization called livingwell.org. It's a website, living-well.org, a wonderful site where you can gather resources that you need to deal with uh, what to expect and, and to know what to expect as you're going through that stage of your life. Uh, and one of the things that's wonderful there, I think, are the resources that you kind of need to know about. They've collected articles as well. And she's giving us skills and tools today for how we can make sure that our end-of-life plans are in order. 
So I'm asking uh, Christy North to come back. Christy, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. I love this topic. Oh, I and you know what? When you came up to me in that meeting and said, "Hey, I, I talk about death," um, this is <laughs> this is what it's about, quite honestly. And, and you talk about a lot about these end of life plans. So help us understand exactly what is an end of life plan, and how do we put it in order? Where do we place it? How does it? How do we not lose it? And and who needs to be in charge of the plan? Okay. Well. I hope that the one thing I've been able to uh, emphasize here today is that you need to talk. You need to talk with family and loved ones. Have the conversation. And it's probably not just one. It's many conversations, many uh, nuances. Have the conversation. But after you've talked and asked and listened, then you need to document that. Because if I have only one person that knows what I want and that person is not available when my end of life approaches... I'm going to be disappointed. Hmm. So in Utah, we have the opportunity to complete a pulse form that physician orders for life-sustaining treatment. Um, we were not the first. Oregon was the first, and uh, there are 40 states that are in some stage of developing this document to be a legal document to it, represent what you need done. It's called the pul- so, Is it the pulse? Is that what you called it? P-U-L? It's no, P-O-L-S-T. Okay. Okay. In some states, it's known as a molster, a most. I mean, it has a, yeah. there are different titles, but it really is a life with dignity order in the state of Utah. And that is a form that when completed and signed by physician and patient is a physician order. So unlike advanced directives, which I fill out and I keep in my home, this is a legal document that the physician has access to, that I, as the patient, have access to, and the caregivers, as they come in and out of my life, should have access to. Hmm. So currently in the state of Utah, once a pulse form is completed, it is uh, generally a copy or the original are given to the patient, and patients go home and put them on the refrigerator door so that if EMS calls, that's the first place they look. I used so that, to be I used to be on an ambulance going through college and I was yeah. an EMT and they they weren't adva- this advanced in the orders but if if you get there and you were you were already had some terminal illness if we didn't have orders then we have to engage EMS which is a really big deal cuz <laughs> then fire trucks are coming ambulances are coming and it's game on. That is exactly right. And once that game is on, that game cannot be stopped by a family member saying, oh, but wait, mom didn't want this. So that's why we need it to be documented. And this is just Um, about like advanced care, advanced life support kind of things. Is that what's in the document? It is. I mean, it's a relatively simple document. There are six sections. But the most important thing is if you are found with your heart not beating and you're not breathing, do you want to be resuscitated? Because if EMS is called and you are not breathing and not beating, they will bring you back to life. Yeah, or try. Yeah, want or or try. Right. And unfortunately, bringing you back to life is probably not too nearly as good a life as you had. No, I see on television is telling the truth. Every morning, I'd get a call to go out, and somebody would have had a heart attack, and we'd pick them up and. The the chance I mean they've been dead for three hours or four hours. So it's it's really something that you're saying. 
I just want I want to be at peace here. I just want my family around me. Let it go. Or if if that's not what I want, I mean, everyone gets to decide. And if yeah. what I say I want is to be revived and take to the hospital, then that's what I should Let's be able that. to get. Yeah. And, and so, it, but but write it down. Be sure. Love that. that it is documented so that you can be assured of getting yeah. what you want. That's and that's actually becomes a legal document. Once you've signed it, you give it to your doctor. They give you copies of it, and you put it up. You know, you don't. I guess you don't Everywhere. frame it. And you, hey, here it is. Well, you might. This is you might. my father had one on his refrigerator. He had one on the mirror in his bathroom. Mm. He had one in his car, and he had a copy in his wallet. He wanted to make sure that if something happened, people knew what he wanted. And I think that's what the Pulse form can do for you. Yeah. Now, it, it, it is often confused with advanced directives. Advanced directives are for everybody over the age of 18. So it's kind of the, well, what if I become really ill or I'm in an accident and I can't speak for myself? What right. shall we do? But the Pulse is, I recognize that my life will be coming to an end in the not-too-distant future. And in that case, I want... Things. That's great, and that's and, and it's, it includes that could be anyone well, at any age. Though you, I mean, like if you if you know if you're ailing in health, that's a that's a pretty serious. We we ought to we ought to be looking at that seriously. Well, that's right, and I mean anyone at any age can have a terminal prognosis. Yeah, um, and people over sixty five or seventy five or eighty five, whatever number we decide. Uh, are much more likely to have such a thing, but yeah. they're not the only ones. For Love sure. that. What about other decisions, fee, uh, legal decisions, bank account decisions? Where do we store all of those? Is there one person? Do we just do we? I mean, I know there's a lot of legal things that have to be decided, and how big your estate is. Do we just assign one of the children to it? What What do you see normally happening? Well, if uh, an aging parent. Uh, makes all the decisions, discusses with the family. I just hate it when they have a secret will, but um, discusses with the family what they want done and then designates one person to follow through on these things. They can have a living will uh, while they're still alive. It's up to them to decide what they want to do. They can have a power of attorney that designates a person to make decisions for them if they're no longer able, and that includes legal decisions, financial decisions, banking, et cetera. Yeah. But they need to have a clear instruction about what happens when I am dead. Who will speak for me? Who will follow through? And, and make sure that it is a legal document, because sometimes people will get a do-it-yourself kit and try and write their own right. will or their own trust papers or something. And very often it just leads to greater confusion for the family. And, and it really seems like it's the time you don't want to fumble the ball. You, you want a nice handoff. You want, it to be, you want it to be kind of seamless. So getting some help, even investing a little bit of money in getting that help. Uh, it's interesting. My, even just I have a family member that's just going in for a simple procedure, but she's 72 years old. And all of a sudden, we're all like, well, whoa. I mean, it's just a simple procedure, but we, we ought to be asking these questions. And then you're well, saying, get, she, get them talking. Yes, and when she goes to the hospital, they will say, do you have advanced planning documents? They're gonna, yeah, they're says, checking yes, on Yes, they're great, yes. Unfortunately, they won't insist that she have them, but it is a question that gets people thinking, well, should I? 
Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, more and more, uh, we in the United States are beginning to think that this is a conversation that can be had. Yeah. Uh, it, people are becoming much more open. People are sharing their own experiences and making it uh, an opportunity for us to use that to move forward. Um, the, uh, there's a, something called the Conversation Project, and um, it is a national move that has some workbooks to help folks to ask the questions, to begin the conversation. Mm. And, you know, that's a great spot, and it's just conversationproject.org. That's a great thing. Um, so that's a great resource. Well, and as a communications student, um, it's our conversations that create the symbols. So if we can start having a, if we can go th- over the project, the conversation project, and start asking the right questions, that's how we're going to create the symbols around what death or who gets what or what all these things mean. And it's the shared meaning. And the more, I guess, it seems like the more family members that share the same meaning that mom and dad wanted us to share. The better this, the cleaner this will probably go. Absolutely, that's powerful. Yeah, talk about it is very powerful. Where where do we go for um, resources? I mean, it seems like we're all kind of shooting in the dark, and there's some companies that will come market to us because you know they, that we should buy our our mortuary plot <laughs> right now, and then there's others that you kind of don't know how great they are. I like uh, just some of these. Just some of the people that can come in and um, and help you near the end of life, and and walk you through that process. Some of those people are the most beautiful humans I think on this earth. I mean, just the peace they can bring. How do we know where Absolutely. to go? Well, it depends. You know, if if uh, if one is in a hospital, you know, the major hospitals in Utah, particularly, but across the nation, are equipped to be able to help you have that conversation. So when they say, do you have advanced directives in place? Do you have any of your documentation? And when the patient says, no, but can you help me? They will give resources. Okay. So sometimes those resources are in the hospital. Sometimes those resources are outside the hospital. But healthcare is very much aware of the needs of patients and are making a lot of resources available. Hmm. You've talked a little bit about our website, leavingwell.org. And we have access to lots of resources that can start the conversation. There's nothing on that website that uh, costs. There right. is not a pay us fifty dollars and we'll help you yeah. write this. Right. Um, so it really is just think about this and maybe here are some possible resources. Lawyers can be helpful in the legal realm, but probably not in the healthcare realm. Right. Exactly. And that's unfortunate. So. Uh, religious leaders can be very helpful in a spiritual perspective, but maybe not so much in the healthcare. No, exactly. So. It's interesting. It's kind of like no one does it all. That's why we need no, a resource, right. you know, website like leavingwell.org. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I'd love to have uh, Christie's best thought. I always call this the uh, the one thing. So if you had to kind of encapsulate everything that you've been learning and, and seeing around uh, – you know, making it through this stage as, in a healthy way, as a family, as a person, at uh, at the end of life, what what's the one thing that you found it makes the biggest difference? And you may have already mentioned it, but uh, what's the one thing that if we would just do this one thing, it would go a very long way to creating a healthy end of life experience? 
Well, I've talked a lot about conversation. We need to start it. We need to, to keep it going. We need to make room for it. We need to make it feel safe and comfortable. And give your loved ones the great gift of knowing what you want, and you can get their promise that they will help you have the kind of end of life you want. Mm. If you want everyone there holding your hands and touching you, you should have it. If you want to be totally alone except for um, one person, or if you want to be in the hospital surrounded by experts, Mm -hmm. you should have what you want. I love it, too, and make them promise you. I'll open up and, and, and get my feelings out, and you promise me you'll honor them. That's powerful. That's, that's a contract, a covenant between us. Yes, it's, it is. It's good stuff. Christy North, you're the bomb. Well done. You, uh, you, made it, um, you made it very, I think, special to be able to talk about this. Again, go to her website, leaving-well.org, leavingwell.org, leaving-well.org. Um, Go check it out and, and just check out the resources. And uh, again, uh, let's take care of each other. Christy, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Matt. It has been my pleasure. Appreciate it. We're going to take a break and wrap up uh, at least that part of the show. When we come back, we've got a, a few more, you know, experiences, opportunities, even famous last words. What are some of the most famous lines of uh, people on their deathbed? Also, maybe some famous last words that we think we might say. We're talking about it. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hey, we're talking today about death. Such a strong word, death. Also, end of life issues. And as you know, as some of us are winding down, and then uh, the next generation kind of picks up the game and they've got to start taking care of our parents. Um, one of the things you may not know what to how to do is actually how to be a caregiver. It's not like you go to caregiving class. So, our own Hannah Montana back. Uh, has put together 10 tips to be an effective caregiver to the elderly. Or really, you were even saying, this could be for anyone. Yeah, no, that this needs could care. definitely be for anyone. Um, one of my really close friends right now is actually a caregiver her, for her mom, who is going to pass away um, in the near future. And her mom's, I think, in her like 50s or something. Oh, and she's, so young, I think though. she's like 22 or 23. And um, she agrees with a lot of these that a lot of times um, when you're taking care of someone, whether it's really any differences that you don't know how to communicate or you're not sure how to make them feel comfortable. Um, I think the biggest thing is to give practical care and assistance. Well, kind of like, what would you want? Yeah. I mean, if, if, Food was coming out of your mouth. You'd probably want someone to get that food. Yeah, to right? wipe it's it just off practical. Your face. Wipe well, your and mouth. it's you know because sometimes they can't talk or sit, mm-hmm. um, walk or eat. Sometimes it's through a feeding tube. Yeah. You know these very practical things. And so, um, you know, instead of like feeling bad or yeah. just you know whatever, just yeah, or trying go, to go. ask, would yeah. you like me to wipe your face? Do you want me to do that? Just yeah. just do it. Right. I mean, assume that it's going to be helpful yep. and and try to do that. Another big thing is don't. Don't assume that you're supposed to know what you're doing. Like yeah. this is, is – stop freaking you're out not a pro. in your head. You're not a nurse. It's okay. Yeah. I mean and a lot of times this happens when um, you go and volunteer with like special needs kids uh-huh. or just different situations. Or like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. Like 
you're not supposed to know. Right. It's okay. You're not going to break them. Yeah. Just <laughs> just be practical and look at what's gonna, what is going to help them. Um, Unless big, you are going to break them, then don't break yeah, them. Yeah, then don't don't break Let's them. Just be clear on that. You should be very very careful not to break them. <laughs> it's such a bad thing, it Matt. Is. Um, another thing that's big is comfort and dignity. Uh, um, if you've ever been to a masseuse, they yeah. well, of course you've talked about that like fifty. Mm-hmm. They're very times good at like covering like you that. up. They don't just yeah, leave you out. Yeah, they're very there. very very like mm-hmm. very professional yeah. and very you know like this is me giving you a massage like this is medical one hundred percent. You know, be the same way. If you're if you're being a caregiver for someone, what would make you feel comfortable? Um, what would make you like? You don't need to point out when something's happening. Right. Like for if, if food's coming out of your mouth, like you don't want someone to be like, "Oh, hey, can I can I take care of that yeah. for you?" Don't make it a big like, deal because it's not a big deal. Yeah. Just and, get in, get it, get out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if I learned this as an EMT, if they're kind of if they're semi conscious, so if they're not always in, if they're not always conscious. Um, Treat them as if they hear and see and know everything because they do. Yeah. And so you don't want to say stuff around them that you wouldn't normally say just because they're not, a, they're not conscious or awake. Yeah. Treat them as if they hear everything. Yeah. And don't, yeah. Don't treat them as a half person or something yeah. that, you know, is like an object. Yeah. Like definitely just treat them like they're a normal person. And because... tell them. They tell it like the, the masseuse, they'll tell you, okay, I'm going to now, I'm not going to come over here. I'm going to work your left arm now or whatever. And they'll, they'll actually let you know where they are working you instead of like, what the, whoa, you're there. What yeah, the? totally. Yeah. And it's, I, I think that that it's, it's a weird comparison, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're just so professional about it that, and it's not that you need to be professional as a caregiver, but just to be very conscientious of the other person. Love it. What are some more ideas? These are caregiving ideas. So if you have to give care, here's some tools. Um, so this is more for people who are more able to communicate. And we've talked about this a little bit in the show is keeping someone company. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, what do you want to do when you're sick yeah. and you've been sick and you have the flu and you've been in your room for a week? Like you just want to sit just and talk, talk to, to someone, watch TV with me. These like, people have a huge history. Get into their history. My son's entire Eagle Project was doing a history of, of seniors in senior living centers. And all the scouts would go in. And if you just start asking questions, they will tell you the most incredible stories you've ever heard. Oh, and it's it's amazing. I My grandpa is i think he's like 93 94 now he's super old super awesome guy yeah. he has this like super faded tattoo on his he arm is. he has like all of these hilarious <laughs> stories he used to be in the army That's... he talks about like world war Two, and they're just like you they oh, yeah. have interesting like amazing lives and histories and like it's it's good for you but to just make sure that you're giving them company yeah. try to make them feel comfortable yep um another one and this is kind of Big is refrain from burdening the patient with your feelings of fear, mm. sadness, or loss. If you have something like tough going on in your life, you don't need to be like, ah, oh, this, this, this. You this, think this you've happened. got it bad? Yeah, <laughs> I can't even pay rent today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't go. There. No empathetic conversation yeah. starts. At least this yeah. isn't what you're. Well, and maybe you don't need to be mourning their loss or their deterioration every time in front of them. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. It's hard enough for them to be deteriorating. And like if they're expressing those concerns, just listen. You yeah. don't need to be like, oh yeah, my life's really hard too. Life is so hard. Whatever. <laughs> Grandma, can I tell you a few things? <laughs> no, just it needs to be like positive and uplifting conversation, um, which is actually the next one, allow the patient to express fears of death or yeah. wh- whoever it is that you're taking care of. Like, And just listen. You don't need to have a perfect response. That's all we need yep. is a listening ear. Well, empathy is like the key to solving everything that's ever happened. I think it's the key to ever. everything. Really? Anything? Yeah. Because then we relate. The universal we key recognize. of the universe. We've done found the universal key of the universe. It's wow. empathy. 
Matt Townsend Show. We deserve a trophy. That's good. That might need to be our next theme. We've done found the universal key to the universe. The universal key. I th- Empathy. Actually... Mike Pond, work on that. Good work, <laughs> Hannah Montana. We've got the staff all over it today. We are figuring out uh, end of life, caregiving, tools. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break. When we come back, Dr. Paul Jenkins should be joining us. And uh, we're going to pick his brain on all of this. This uh, It's good to be with you. Really, on the topic of end of life, it's good to be with you. We'll be right back. You're listening to BYU Radio. back everybody you hear the laser shooting which means we have dr paul jenkins in the studio dr pj they call him he's a clinical psychologist uh also has a a uh what do they call it a podcast podcast and a book coming out yes and we're not going to get into it, or you'll just give us this huge alliteration of peas. And we'll have to wipe off the microphone. No, every time you do that, we have to go dry out the mic. Right. So we're not doing it. We're not doing it. If you want to see it, just click through to the TV part of my, of my website. Okay. So you go to, to drpauljenkins.com, mm-hmm. click through to the, um, the TV side, and we can see you. I guess you spit. Yeah, it's called pathological positivity, and there's plenty of spitting. And it, and and then you add to that five hundred peas, yes, roughly in a pod. Precisely. Um, have you heard about our topic today? I have. Death. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people think it's heavy. Yeah, but we learned a lot of stuff about it. That you know what? It's just a stage. Depending on your values, your morals, your beliefs, your history, your all your mores, your standards, mm-hmm. that impacts all of it. But it seems, and we've talked a lot about how to handle somebody that's kind of going through that process of dying. But mm-hmm. what I would want to ask you is, what they get to go wherever they go, right? They get to go. The rest of us are left. We're going to stick around for a while, and some of us have bills now to pay, and some of us have never had to pay mm-hmm. some of these bills, and. What are the rest of us supposed to do? Because a lot of mm. people get stuck there, don't they? After yeah. a death, they they don't know how to move on. They don't know. And I don't know that you want to let go. And I think maybe sometimes you don't want to move on. Mm-hmm. But we're stuck. There's also a myth out there that you get over it. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, that's, yeah. How could you, I, yeah. I think we accommodate it. Hmm. We work it in somehow to our to our life. Yeah. You don't necessarily get over it. You don't want to get over it, really. Well, how do you get over losing someone who is an integral part of your life? Yeah. And and what would that mean anyway? That you forget about them, that yeah. you you stop caring? Well, yeah. What would that say about you if you're like, eh, I'm over it? Yeah. I mean, sure, she was great and my wife for 60 years, but I'm over it. But, you know, <laughs> Let's go play golf. Yeah, exactly. So, but you, you can adapt and recognize. You sure. Can, you can move on and not move on, I guess. Well, adapt. I, what was the word you used? Uh, accommodate. Accommodate. So you, you, yeah, you still go in. be healthy and you'll have yeah. times and seasons of grieving and pain. and Absolutely. And that is absolutely normal. 
Nothing to, You're nothing, supposed to. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, what would you be if you didn't? You spent forever with this person. So a couple of things help with that. And one of them is something that you and I have talked about before. Are we going to declare this as a bad thing? Okay. Our judgment of it, huh? Good, bad. Y- yeah. And painful is not the same as bad. Right. Okay. So yeah. death is typically a painful experience for those who lose someone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like for those who die. I haven't interviewed a lot of dead people. Well, I have, and uh, mm-hmm. very quiet. Very quiet <laughs> they people. tend to not say a lot. Yeah, they're a very hard interview. Well, and like you said, it depends on on your philosophical beliefs or your religious mm-hmm. beliefs, what, what you actually believe about what happens to people after they die. And... Uh, you and I share a belief yeah. that there's more to life. There's, there, there's than, something else there. This is yeah. this is the second it, estate. It there's just, another one. Sure. But without getting into that whole thing, death is the predictable exit strategy. For all humans. For all humans. No one gets out of this alive. <sighs> Are you okay? sure? Because I've had some people try to sell me on a product that if I took mm. it, I might not have to die. Ever. Yeah, they would never say never, but yeah. they're pretty sure it could last for a really long time. Yeah, and definitely there's things we can do to enhance our— But we try to avoid the death thing forever, and yet you're saying— um, Nobody gets out of this alive. It's not—you're not, you're not going to have this moment. So we can declare that to be a bad thing, or we can accept that, oh, okay, this is part of the dealio. Mm-hmm. And then accommodate that into our current thinking so that when we do lose someone, and it's not if. Oh, yeah. It's not if. Yeah. Either you're going to lose somebody or you're going first. Right. So accepting that idea can go a long way toward actually dealing with it when it occurs. Hmm. So let's be real about this. It's a and it, be real about it, meaning like like you're saying it very directly. It's you're gonna die. My, it's happening. My friend has a, a funeral home in American Fork near mm-hmm. here, and I was interviewing him on my podcast on Live on Purpose Radio, and he said, "You know, talking about death won't kill you." And it was interesting to just think about that statement. I know they can say that, like, because look at how. What's their business? He, he's, he's skilled at that. That's yeah. not his barrier. I mean, that's not his... Exactly. He's there every day. So so bringing the fear level down and acknowledging, yeah, this is something that happens. Hmm. It's not that this shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, we tell ourselves those things and it just makes it worse. Yeah. Or we like, or it's not fair. Right. I mean, there's a lot of jerks out there that could have died and this was a good one. Oh, they will too. Yeah. They'll get theirs. <laughs> They'll get theirs. No, but they will. I mean, again, no yeah. one's getting out. So, so adjusting our thinking about mm. that helps us to start to accommodate it. And then realizing it's not a process of getting over this. It's accommodating it, accepting a new reality, mm. a new context, especially if it's someone who's close to you. Things are going to change now. Yeah. It's not going to be the same as it was. You're going to think about them again. You're going to remember certain yeah. things. But you're saying, so it's really almost, it's adapting to it. It's mm-hmm. modifying. It's, and it's, um, you don't have to negate that, them, and what they brought. Right. You can keep what they brought and all the joy and the good and the memories, and you have to turn it into something else now. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. 
So you look at a funeral, for example, and some people want to avoid the funeral. Yeah. Because they're afraid of how they're going to feel. Really, that's what it comes down to. Feel what you're going to feel. It's It's, just a feeling. It's okay. And you know what? To feel sad is an indicator of love. Yeah, you loved profoundly, didn't you? Yeah. Yet, yet, uh, so it's okay to feel that. You're supposed to feel that. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite funeral quotations is the only way to take the sorrow out of death is to take the love out of life. Yeah. Can't have that. I mean, think about it, Matt. How did you feel when my grandmother died? Your grandmother? Yeah. Didn't know her. Didn't know her. So how did you feel? Didn't feel. It wasn't even a blip on your screen. I didn't even know. But check it out. You didn't get to feel all the love. That's right. I never knew the love of your grandma. You missed out on that whole part, The cookies, the good food. So because I had that part, I got to feel sad when she died. And that's okay. Well, and so some people always say, you know, that sadness is you paying the check Mm -hmm. for the life that they gave you. Now you got to pay for it. Except you'll feel the joy in another month when you are cooking her homemade pie recipe and it brings back all these memories. So it's not a one time. It's not a check. It's right. It's it's both sides. It's it's the it's yin, an the acknowledgement. Yang. It's it's the downside, and everything's got an upside and a downside yeah. to it. And so it's not a bad thing. So let yourself feel whatever you're going to feel. That's probably the number one advice that I would give. Yeah. And notice when you go to a funeral, you laugh. Yeah. And you cry. Yeah. How many meetings can you say that about? No, really, none. IRS. This is a this is a rich experience that helps to remind you that you are human and you have feelings and yeah. this is a rich experience that you have. I can think of very few meetings where I laugh and I cry. Baby birth. Yeah. It, see, it's almost on the fringes of life, isn't it? Where you mm-hmm. become most human. Where you get tuned into who we really are. Yeah. And you get to to take a closer look at what your priorities are. Yeah. What's good about death? A lot of things. Yeah. Oh, the, if you have the if you have that paradigm, that philosophy. Yeah. That, if you don't shut it down by yeah. saying this is just bad. Uh huh. Painful. Yeah. Okay. Feel the pain. A lot of people are like, I yeah, I don't want to remember him that way. Mm-hmm. I want to re- remember him the way I remembered him. So they they kind right. of talk themselves out of going to a funeral. Mm-hmm. Or a viewing. Or a viewing. Yeah, yeah. Viewings are kind of weird because. No one's talking at the viewing. We're all just viewing. And we're viewing something uh, that we would normally not get to view unless there was police So why around. do you go to a viewing? You would think to help mourn with those that mourn and to love yeah. those that need our love and support. But instead we go there, and we were joking about this earlier, and we say the dumbest things. Like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, he looks good. He looks good. They he, put him back. He nice. looks good for a dead guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the grieving widow has to somehow make this work. Okay, yeah. You're uncomfortable. Let me help you here. Right. Yeah, he's fine. He, yeah. I had a, a lady once say to my grandma, you need, I mean, my, at my grandma's funeral, you need, you need to take all of your family. This was right next to my grandma's casket, mm-hmm. talking to my aunts and my mm-hmm. mom. She said, you need to take her money and take all of the kids and grandkids on a cruise. Yeah. And my mom and my aunts are like, oh, okay, that's, that's a great idea. Right next to mm-hmm. grandma's casket here. Thank you for offering that. And then she whips out a card and she hands this, my mom the card and says, if you need help setting that up, give me a call. Yeah. She's a, 
She's soliciting. She's soliciting at She's the She's a funeral. travel agent or whatever. Isn't that – we don't know what to say, so we go to our default. I'm going to solicit or I, I, I'm going to give you advice or I'm going to yeah. ask you how you're doing. And you know what? It's okay to say, I don't know what to yeah. say to you. Yeah. In fact, that is more genuine and more appreciated than making something up yeah. or saying something trite yeah. or like and, – and stay away from some of the – I know how you feel. I know how you feel. Even if you've lost someone, and you probably yeah. have, you don't know exactly how they feel. Yeah. Um, so, I don't want that. I don't want you to know how I feel, really. I want you to almost mm-hmm. just get into what I'm feeling. Like, right. learn me, understand me from my position, not from your history. So when I said, why do you go to a viewing? Yeah. It's not to view a body. Mm-mm. Seriously. I mean, there's a piece to that because it helps you to accept yeah. the reality well, that's of the, the voyeur death. And, and yeah. Yeah. It, 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 there's some value yeah. to that psychologically. And closure. But, and, and for kids, too. And yeah. We're probably yeah. not getting into that whole conversation today. But there is some psychological value to actually acknowledging the reality of the death. Yeah. The reason you go to the viewing is to hug the people who are standing up. Yeah, it's for the living, huh? Yeah. It's for the living, not for the dead. Yeah. I think about all these funerals I've attended. I don't know why I go to them. They're not going to come to mind. <laughs> They're so selfish. The, those dead people. Yeah, you know. I know they never come. But it's not. It's not about that. Mm-mm. We don't know what the dead people are doing. Well, maybe and maybe they are coming. Maybe they're there. Maybe they're not. I don't yeah. know. But the living people are there. Mm. And so as we connect with them and as we carry each other's burdens, and it really does. When, when you've lost someone, you feel this. Yeah. For the first few weeks. Yeah. There's an outpouring of love. You feel spiritually supported. It's it's an amazing human phenomenon. That's that is fantastic. That happens. Yeah, to, and to know that you, and then it tapers off yeah. after a couple of weeks. So, and be aware of this if you're going through a loss yourself, or if you're close to someone who is, mm-hmm. because it might be a really great idea to reach out to that person three weeks down the road. Yeah, later. When when the when flowers the have gone, been yeah. put away and and uh, the ground is starting to settle and and they actually might be more ready to to speak and process yeah, sure and, and more open to it yeah you know it's a we don't um, like we were talking earlier we just don't know how to do it and yeah we don't know what to say but like you were saying be real by being real with them you don't create a facade that they have to then fix or deal with. We don't have to talk about a cruise, and I don't have to address the looks of the deceased. Mm-hmm. I can just – by going in and saying, I don't know what to say here, Yeah, they'll say, you know what? There's nothing to say. You know what? I was visiting with a client just yesterday, and she was recalling the death of her daughter, mm. which was a very difficult time in her life. And she remembers one particular friend who called her when she found out and just cried with her. That's all she did. Yeah. Which, and she said that was the most meaningful thing. That's all she needed, huh? With somebody to help her vent Somebody to help her cry. Oh, that's you need a cry buddy. Yeah. But a lot of us have our shells up and our, we're afraid to be that vulnerable. So we right. think we need an answer right. or advice or somehow we right. have to fix this. There's nothing to fix, Mm-mm. folks. It's not it's not broken. Mm-hmm. We're having a, a rich, powerful human experience that includes pain, but that's not all it includes. Oh yeah. And all those great miracles, and I mean, again, and it, you can you can always reprocess 
their life over and over for the rest of your life. Every time you talk about that person, mm-hmm. you'll still have those feelings, mm-hmm. the memories. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that part you get to keep, which is the beautiful thing about relationships because everything that you learn and the ways that you are fundamentally changed having known someone yeah. get to stay with you. Permanent. After that person leaves and, and in that way their legacy lives on. That's the way we touch each other through generations. Yeah. and uh, That's a cool thought. It is. It it adds to the whole richness of our life experience. So, I don't know. What's the bottom line there, Matt? What is the it's, bottom line? It's not to be feared. You can. I mean... Yeah, well, that, but you'll just... You'll just... You'll, uh, you'll have a different But fruit. if you didn't fear it, then what would it be for you? Yeah. You'd, if you embrace it, it would be mm-hmm. something totally different. Special. And, and yeah. maybe it's something that you have to make the decision... 50 times a day. Perhaps. And then, okay, so because now I'm falling into the sad, horrible morning. Oh, and then I can notice and go, but there's beauty. And find the peace again. Mm-hmm. And maybe then later mm-hmm. you fall back down into the, ah, uh, and then you find the peace again. And you might not want to wait until the crisis to actually think about this. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could actually plan ahead. You could do a little work beforehand, and, and instead of saying, instead of asking yourself, for example, what would I do if I lost someone who's close to me? Right. Just change the if. Yeah. When? <laughs> what will I do when? Yeah. How how do I want to see myself handling this? What are the important things that I want to to remember and have in mind when that happens? And that's, you can do a lot of that work beforehand. Well, that's what we talked about and, and ask those questions to the person that's dying about what they want. But mm-hmm. you could do the same thing for you, the process of grieving. How, how do you want to be... How do you want this to go for you grieving? What do you want your these loved ones mm-hmm. to know? And and anticipate it and even maybe fulfill it, self-fulfill it. Yeah. The denial gets in our way. I was remembering a client of mine who, who was dying. He knew he was dying. I was actually going to see him in a care facility really? because he couldn't get to my office anymore. And some of the family was trying to tell him, oh, you're not going to die. Quit talking like that. Yeah. Yes, That's he was. That's what I was telling this one lady too. Yeah, but you don't want to. You, yeah, but he was dying. He was dying. Yeah, and so instead of trying to deny that, my conversations with him were around: How would you like to see this happen? It's a great question. What is it that you want to see happen? You're not dead now. Yeah. So how do we how do we want this to flow? Do you Operationalize have it. a few weeks to, to live or a few weeks to die, and get busy doing one or the other. Love it. And he used those last few weeks of his life to create some very rich experiences to with live. his kids, his grandkids. It was amazing what he accomplished in a few short weeks. It's almost like you know a lot about this because you have a, a podcast called Live on Purpose. Live on Purpose. Dr. Paul Jenkins, thanks for joining us, my friend. Again, pleasure to be here. All I had to do was have you show up. You just show up, you walk in, you give us insight. Boom. I'm a good spirit. Paul Jenkins, go check out his website, drpauljenkins.com, drpauljenkins.com. We're going to take a break. We're coming back, and when we come back, we're going to talk about famous last words. Famous last words. What would your last words be? What do you want them to record as your last words? This is the Matt Townsend Show. If you're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music, which means we're wrapping up the show. Hey, today's show has been about uh, end of life. And, you know, if we're going to be thinking about everything, if we're going to be thinking about, you know, our our will, our will and our, um, what's it called? Our, uh, how we want our legacy to be with, with our family, then we probably ought to think about what we want our last words to be. Right. Because there are famous last words, apparently, Jess. And you've been researching. Yeah. What have you found? What are the famous last words? Do do any stand out? And I'm sure some are pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you just finished talking with Paul about asking questions about the end. Yeah. Which I thought was perfect. Cool. Because people have asked famous people this question, and they're so funny. Okay, let's hear Okay, classic Bob Hope. You would expect it from him. Love him. His wife said, where would you like to be buried? And his last words were, surprise me. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> That's good? Cute. That's I was cute. like, oh, Bob. Well, but wait till he's just in the backyard. It's, then it's not so I don't cute. know where he is. Then that's just honest. freaky. Should have followed up. Yeah. I, he's probably <laughs> probably good. Okay, um, let's, keep, let's keep the... The movie stars. Yeah, these are all famous people. Okay. Um, although like famous ones would be like Julius Caesar. Yeah. But these are. Et tu brute. Yeah. Thank you. You too, my child. That's what it means. Does I it really? That up. Yeah. No wow. big deal. Thank you. <laughs> I just know Greek or whatever that well, was. Yeah. I actually or, don't yeah. know if it is was Is it Greek. Latin, Greek, whatever it is. Anyways. Okay. Roman. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. Um, nobody knows where this came from. But okay. Walt Disney's last words were Kurt Russell. They don't know who he is. He was 15 at the time. Really? Yeah. No one knew. They Those were, were his like, last words? Kurt Russell. <laughs> you would think he would go out with like- Yeah. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it didn't. Kurt but Russell, boy. You that's... know who lived up to their name? Who? Was Jane Austen. Why? She said, let me find her. Dang it. Lost my paper. She said, oh, she said, I want nothing but death. Oh, that's cool. And then cool. she died. I Isn't want that... nothing but death. She, I mean, she's a writer. Yeah. That would, is so Jane Austen. I know. That is so her. <laughs> it is, and you're just like, uh-huh. way to end on a bang. I, I wonder if she thought about it before. That's pretty big. That's a cool deal. Yeah, that, that was a cool one. Yeah, she probably spent months upon months thinking about, like, man, what am I going to say? What's the great, what's the final? <laughs> Wrote a huge novel. That's great. I want nothing but death. What are some more? Okay, so this one's a cute one. Um, so you know who Desi Amaz is? Is that how you say his name? Desi Arnaz? Oh, yep. Yep. That's who it is. Lucille, Lucille Ball's, Ball's ex-husband. husband. Yeah, yeah. ex-husband, yeah. Um, he was talking to Lucille Ball right before he died, and he said, I love you too, honey. Good luck with your show. And then he died. Are you serious? <laughs> Isn't that so cute? Wow. And Lucille Ball's last- What was her? What I were know. Her? Well, this could be scary. <laughs> yeah. Hers was just- um, Hold on. Let me find it. Hers was, um, I want my Florida water. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Someone asked what she wanted. She wanted her Florida. See, I want to have Not last cute. words. I want to have, like, my wife's last words, I know what they'll be, because she says them to me every time right before I get up to speak, I lean over and I look at her, like, and I'm thinking she's going to look me in the eye and say, you knock them dead. Aww. I, that's what I think she's going to say, but she doesn't. She always says, is your zipper up? Oh, that's what she <laughs> So on her, on her tombstone, I'm going to put, is your zipper up? <laughs> I hope that you die before. Do you know what my last words? I have mine. Do you know what your last words you want to be? I know. I already know mine. Okay. What are yours? Well, what are yours? Well, you might give me a good idea. I want mine. I want this on my tombstone, but I want them to say, "I told you I was sick." That's what I want on my tombstone. Mm, That sounds really familiar to one I that I read. I don't know who it was. That's what I want. I told you I had a cold. (laughs) 
I can't decide if I would want to go for like funny or like super epic. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like Jane. But uh, you'd Jane have Austen to. I did. mean, epic. Yeah. You, you'd have to really plan your last words. You'd probably have to say it 50 times because, like, what if you said it and then nothing happened? And you don't die and then you have to say it again. you don't finish. Again. That happens. Or you that would make it more epic, death. though, if yeah. you're like, oh, death, take, and that's it. Beep. That happened to John Adams. Oh, wow. What was he, his? Oh, yeah, he his usually was says, um, He usually says um, Thomas Jefferson still survives, but he only got to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so yeah. they don't know that he was going to say still yeah. survives. That was just something What you say is this. You say, you gather everyone around and you say, don't ever, ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Dead. Just keep saying ever until you pass away. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That's a good one because you can always like, you know. You'll never go wrong. You can keep on saying People ever. People will think yeah. that you were really smart. And then they're like, oh, we've lost and him. And on a good note. He's stuck. Somebody nudged the, the player. <laughs> yeah. So he quits. So you're saying ever for Give about Give us your minutes. last one, your funniest of all time. Okay. Uh, oh, this is funny. Marie Antoinette. Mm. She Her last words were, pardon me, sir, I did not do that on purpose because she stepped on her um, executioner's foot. Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, that's so, so she's cute like, and dark. Sorry. <laughs> sorry for stepping on your foot. I, I didn't mean to be rude. Now kill me, you know. Jess, I thought that was funny. You're the best. <laughs> Way to research famous last words. Do you have your famous last word? Uh, no, I, I like that one where you end on ever because people will think I'm smart. Or you can do. There was some show that used to say good night, everybody. I think it was hee haw. I'm gonna say keep it classy. <laughs> keep it classy, baby. Yeah, that's good. Well, there's the show, folks. There you have it. Death. Where is thy sting? That's a scripture. We conquered it. We conquered it. Nobody died. (laughs) And that's a good sign. We've got the tools now. We've got the ideas. Now let's just go and do it. Let's go uh, make healthier, happier lives for everyone around us. Thanks for joining us again. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. 